Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty world. Sister, who's your Superman feeling? Sister, shotgun. It's a nice day to start again. It's a nice day for a white wedding. It's a nice day to start again. Hi, Pastor Tom, one of the pastors here at Liquid Church. Welcome to Liquid, where I think you get like extra, extra credit tonight for coming, especially on Labor Day weekend. Good stuff. Whether you're here with us right now or Liquid Melbourne, maybe you're listening online. Welcome. We want to welcome you to part four of this Rock God series. I love the 80s. We're basically, we're having a lot of fun and at the same time going through this Old Testament prophetic book of Haggai. I don't know. It doesn't make really a lot of sense, but seriously, Billy idol in church um <laughs> who would have ever thought uh it, it just something about that idea even it sounds a little bit naughty almost like you're kind of sticking it to the second commandment thou shall not make unto thee any graven image or billy idol okay but after all who can forget this most infamous face of the 1980s, right? Born as William Michael Albert Broad. Why do they always have the longest names? Uh, he became one of MTV's first mega superstars, pumping out a bunch of 80s angst-ridden hits, like a dancing with myself, right? Hot in the city, Mona Mona! And of course, our very own White Wedding. And you know, it's very interesting because this whole song, White Wedding, actually has this backstory to it. You see, those closest to Billy know that he actually, he and his sister were kind of going through a falling out at this period because she was trying to cover up her pregnancy before she got married. See, that, that's the whole thing. But she was trying to cover it up by having this white shotgun wedding, right? In other words, she was trying to cover up her mistakes by going through all the pomp and pretense of a ceremony. She was trying to hide something, sort of like sugarcoating it, as if that makes anything better, right? But you know something? Big Brother Billy, as you just heard, was totally on to her. Did you listen to those lyrics? He said, hey, little sister, what have you done? I know I'm no Dave, okay? Just pretend. Hey, little sister, who's the only one? Hey, little sister, who's your Superman? And then the next line, did you notice the sarcasm there? It's a nice day for a white wedding. Come on, it's a nice day to start again. Yeah, right? Who would have thought Billy Idol, captain of the morality police, right? You'd actually expect something like that from a page in the Bible, correct? So Someone does something wrong, they try to cover it up, and then God comes, this big God, out of nowhere, kind of like that Billy Idol pose, right? Out of nowhere, and you just feel so bad for not only messing up, but then for trying to cover up your mess up, right? But you know something? The God we've seen in Haggai the last three weeks has totally blown that stereotype away. And honestly... Quite honestly, I think it's kind of caught us off guard, a lot of us, right? For instance, 
Can we just stop here and acknowledge that in the past three weeks alone, over 20 people have accepted Jesus Christ into their lives, and this morning, four people. Can we just acknowledge God for that? Can we just praise Him? That is all Him. Okay, all this during a verse-by-verse exegetical expository study on Haggai, minor prophet. <laughs> this stuff doesn't happen. I mean, you just, this is not supposed to be happening, right? Not during a minor prophet, right? And that's, that's not even mentioning the literally hundreds of emails, connection cards, prayer requests that we've received just over the past three weeks that have shared real life, True stories of, of, of lives truly changing, passion for God, renewing, healing of relationships, difficult life-altering decisions being made. It, it just, when you stop and think about it, it just blows you away. And how could it not, right? Because all we've seen from the book of Haggai so far, if we had to dissect, if we had to narrow it down to one summary sentence... All it is, is this. Haggai is about God invites each of us to rebuild, not just the temple, but to rebuild our relationship with him. You see, God has been saying through this prophet Haggai, let's work on our relationship. Let's work on this right here. You see, God's actually, he's actually jealous for a relationship with you. As a matter of fact, In the Old Testament, there's a book called Exodus. Exodus chapter 34, it says, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is what now? Jealous. Is a jealous God. Let's just take a sec and just sort of wrap your brain around that one for a second. Literally, one of the actual names for God is jealous. Dear jealous, I I pray for world... That's his actual name. The original Hebrew word there is the word pana. It is an adjective used only for God for the sole purpose of highlighting his desire for an exclusive, deep relationship with you. That's where the prophet Haggai is coming from, from that place. And, and as many of you know, whether we're talking about relationships or life itself, there are chapters, right? Just like in a book, right? We move from one chapter to the next. And as a matter of fact, last week, many of you, you actually raised your hands. You physically acknowledged and you were realizing, raising your hands that you were right there on the verge of a new chapter. Some of you welcoming it with open arms. Others of you kind of a little bit wary, kind of dreading it maybe. Nonetheless, many of us right there on the verge of a new chapter, right there, about to turn the page, right? Chapter one to chapter two. Some of you actually shared uh, that your, your turning of the page was about certain relationships. So, uh, some, some were sharing about how you're going through the struggles of, of life after a divorce. Uh, divorce. Uh, others of you shared how uh, you're facing the challenge of forgiving someone and moving on, right? Relationship chapters are always so grueling, right? Gut-wrenching. They are true page turners, right? For others of you, a new chapter had to deal with career paths or or changing jobs, relocating, refinancing, uh, reassessing some personal goals and some dreams, uh, reorganizing your priorities. And still for others of you, it was about, this new chapter was about this, you know, going to school, be a graduate school or college. It it was about heading off to a new semester, you know, a fresh start. and, and, And wouldn't you know it, for every one of those we got like two from parents that were saying, yeah, I'm going through a new chapter as well. You know, life in a quieter home. You know, something like that, right? 
Lots of page turning out there. Lots of chapter twos just represented in this room right now. All in the horizon, right? And what's amazing is the book of Haggai, the word of God, not just Haggai, the word of God is living and active, right? The book of Haggai actually speaks to that very moment, speaks to you. For instance, we saw last week how you first have to say goodbye to the past in order to say hello to now, right? In other words, you just can't clutch on to the past and at the same time hope to embrace this new thing that God has for you. Hope to embrace this new chapter. Which then led us to the stirring promise that we saw last week. Haggai chapter 2 verse 4. I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I mean this, if you think, again, it's so amazing. The God of the universe, the eternal, perfect, heavenly, loving Father, He is with you, the Creator. God is with you as you move from chapter 1 to chapter 2 in your life, whatever that may be. You don't have to be afraid of anything. God's there with you. Question. Okay, I get that. Uh, And and I even raised my hand last week, and this is a whole prayer thing. And uh, Okay, I said goodbye to yesterday, and hello to what you have now. Okay, that's great, but so what? Now now what happens? In in fact, many of you actually wrote on your connection cards, this is not from the last three weeks, this is just from last week. Okay? From the four services last week. Some of you wrote on these connection cards things like, literally, this one girl wrote, I am struck, I am stuck in chapter one. For a year I've been trying to enter chapter two. That's how long I've been looking for a new job. So why do I always feel stuck when I really want this chapter two? <laughs> Another lady wrote, I need a little push to flip the page, but I don't know what it'll take. And then there's my personal favorite from this stack, right? This one man writes, you, you gotta love the honesty in this one. Why do all my chapters look the same? I want chapter two, but no matter what happens, no matter how hard I try, after a while, all my chapters look alike. A big, fat mess. Huh. Right? what's, What's going on here, right? I mean, I thought God was in this. I thought God was like leading me to the next step, leading me to my chapter two. And I was just following him. What's going on here? I just don't understand. It's really frustrating. You know, what's interesting is, this is exactly what the people of Haggai were thinking. As a matter of fact, this is exactly where the prophet Haggai begins the next part of his message, and it's our message for today. Let's check it out with me on on page 657. Can we get the house lights up a little bit? I want to see my friends here and give them a little light to, to read their Bibles. Page 657, you'll find Haggai chapter 2. Verse 10. And we're just going to basically, we're going to pick up from where we left off last week, right? Verse by verse. And we're going to read this verse together. Haggai chapter 2, verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Now, now don't miss this. Just be patient with me here. Think of it this way. It's been exactly three months since the people of God had turned the page from chapter 1 to chapter 2. It's been exactly three months since they started rebuilding the temple. 
How do we know this? Because you've got to read the Hebrew. No, absolutely not. You know this because look at the last two verses of chapter 1. Right? Look at that. Last two verses of chapter 1 read what? They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God. On the 24th day of the 6th month in the 2nd year of King Darius. In other words, why, why am I even bringing this up? It, it, it would be like this. Think of it this way. On June 24th, on the 6th month, the people of God turned the page. They decided to take their priorities seriously. They decided to rebuild this temple and to work on their relationship with God. They decided to turn the page on June 24th. And then, exactly three months later, on the ninth month, on the 24th day, September 24th, so to speak, after Labor Day, hint, 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 summer is now gone. There's, there are no more beaches or fireworks or barbecues. When the, when the three exciting months of adrenaline and the summer and of the excitement of starting a new chapter in life, when all of that had sizzled out, are you getting the picture here? When all of that excitement had burnt out, at that moment, three months later, God comes along and he asks these two whack questions. Question number one, found there in verse 12. Oh, you're going to love this. If a person carries consecrated meat in the fold of his garment and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? In other words, think of it this way. If something is consecrated, that's just a fancy Bible word. That's just a fancy Old Testament word for set apart. It's something that's reserved. That's all it means to be consecrated. That, that, that's, it's, it's actually the same. The word holy, the word consecrated, they mean the same thing. It's just, it just means setting apart something, reserving something. In this particular case, reserving it for God. That's all that it means. Don't get hung up by that. Okay? And so think of it this way. The question that's being asked is, if something is consecrated, if something's reserved for God, and it touches something that is not reserved for God, does that other thing become reserved for God? Basically, is holiness something that's transferable by contact? Or you can think of it like this. Is purity contagious? What's the answer? No. Exactly. Some of you are shaking your heads. No. The priest would have agreed with you, because look at the next sentence. The priest answered, no. Okay, great, easy. That's, that, was, that was the first question. What's the second question? Next verse, same as the first. Verse 13, then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Again, in plain English, if you have something dirty, think about this with me. If you have something dirty... Okay, it's filthy, it's just, I don't know, garbage, whatever. And it touches something that's not dirty. What happens? Does that other thing become dirty? Yes. Right? Yes, of course it does. That's why all of our moms, they would yell at you before you came to the table, you know, wash your dirty little hands because she didn't want your germy little fingers contaminating the food that you're about to eat and you getting sick, right? So the next sentence reads exactly the same. Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. So the, okay, great, all right. So priests and moms nationwide agree. Dirtiness spreads a lot quicker than cleanliness, right? But watch out now, here's where it gets personal. Look at verse 14, next verse. Then Haggai said, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do, 
And whatever they offer there is defiled. Do you see what just happened there? Do you see what God's getting at? See, whenever you enter the chapter twos of your life, everything on the outside starts to change. In this particular case, the temple of God was being rebuilt, right? People were coming together and and they were working together as one. They were taking time off and using their holidays and the weekends to come together to chop wood, to, to move supplies, to construct this beautiful edifice. Think of it this way. They were giving away gas, Uh, They were having parties on the green. They had free bounce houses and cotton candy and popcorn and all this stuff. And and they, they even dug 20 wells in Africa. All great stuff. Okay, we get it. And all of it, mind you now, was happening on the outside, on the exterior, where everyone could see. In the Hebrew it says, CNN was there to report it. Right? All of this stuff is happening on the outside. No one can deny it awesome. But did you know that God actually has something even more in store for you? More specifically, God actually wants to make sure that there's an incredible work happening on the inside, underneath it all as well. Way down in the inward parts where, listen, very few can see. Right? Because it's like this. If you've got all the external decorations, renovations, whatever you want to call it, if you've got all of that stuff without the internal transformation, without the internal change happening, you're ruined. So it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there, is defiled. Folks, remember now, these people were rebuilding the temple of God. I mean, for crying out loud, in the Old Testament, nothing could be more holy. Nothing could be a more righteous work as far as the Old Testament is concerned, right? It's like, it's like all this good stuff was happening on the outside for everyone to see, but something was missing on the inside. See, when you start talking about the chapter twos of life, you just can't have all the external renovations without the internal transformation happening as well. It, it, it just, it doesn't work like that. It, it actually reminds me of this buddy of mine. He's like really um, frustrated right now. Okay, uh, because basically three years ago, he painted his house by himself, you know, painted the outside of it. Oh, Perfect. It looks great. Great curb appeal. All that stuff, right? Um, that was three years ago. And for the first year, excellent. Uh, past two years, not so much. Past two years, what he's noticing is uh, little bits of It's like starting to peel, okay? And he's like getting really upset. He, he's doing what we all do when we notice something like this. He's just ignoring it, you know, pretending it doesn't exist. I do not see. I worked way too hard to, mm, this is not happening. You know, that whole thing, right? But finally, you know, uh, after a while, it's like, no, actually, my house is actually starting to shed now, okay? Urgh! You know, he's so mad, so frustrated, right? Spent all that time and money. 
So, so he gets this professional guy, and you know how this goes, right? He gets this professional guy to come and check it out. Well, how much is going to go? And it's just astronomical estimate, right? And so my friend is like, are you kidding me? It's like two, three times more than I expected. What is going on? How did this happen? And so this professional guy is like, explain, calm down, you know, like basically what happened is he, he's explaining that the exterior coat on his house was peeling off because the, what happened underneath was not properly treated. In other words, and some of you understand this a lot better than I do. Uh, one guy was trying to explain it to me afterwards too. Okay, I get it. But, but I guess basically what happens is this. When you paint the outside of a house, it's not like you can just slap on some paint, right? No, you actually have to do the very hard roll-up-your-sleeves work of, of the underneath stuff. You have to strip that first layer of paint and that second and that third layer. Then you have to sand it down. Then you have to even it out. Then you have to treat it. Then you have to sand it again, even it out, treat it. Then you have to prime it. And then and only then can you think about adding that first exterior layer of paint, right? Uh, uh, because if not, if you don't do that, you just slap on the paint first on the outside first, uh, yeah, you may get by the first year or so. Uh, everything looking great. Okay, that's wonderful. But soon enough, that'll just start to peel. We're in New Jersey, for crying out loud. That stuff is just going to peel away after one summer and one winter, right? Because you didn't take seriously what's underneath. See, folks, as you turn the page to whatever it is, is your specific chapter two in life, I don't know what it is for you. You identified it. I, I know here, but whatever it is you identified as your chapter two in life, whether it's a job, a relationship, finances, health, uh, your walk with God, whatever it is, good or bad, remember external decorations, external renovations, everything that happens on the outside without the deeper internal transformation leads to devastation. It's the difference between just slapping on some paint versus doing the internal work, the underneath work of sanding and priming underneath all of that stuff and then adding on the paint. It's the difference between throwing on a white wedding dress onto a problem that we just discussed to cover things up versus taking the same situation and turning it into something more, some, something Something more lasting and beautiful like this. Take me, make me all you want me to be. It's all in my skin, all in my skin. easiest title that I've ever had to written for an email. Um, we found out it was about a couple weeks before that I, I, I got pregnant and um, Darren and I were engaged but we had no plans as far as, as marriage was going to happen when and um, I felt terrible really not because I was pregnant but because I had done things out of order. I grew up, my father was Christian, my mom was Catholic. Uh, but I felt uneasiness. I felt that I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. And uh, I needed help. I wanted to get things straightened out. I wanted to, to start new. Darren's mom had told me that, you know, I should go and talk to someone. And I said, well, you know what? 
I keep hearing about Liquid Church, I looked up on the internet and I was like, contact us, click, and I got the email up and I just started typing away everything, and I was just like, it's worth a shot, and um, I was welcome to come and to visit the service, I asked Darren, and right away Darren was like, it's this Sunday, let's go. So we went, and, and that's how we came to Liquid Church, first time. I think our lives have been just uh, just a better outlook on life. Um, things just happen to just feel more real um, with God and in, in, in our presence. Um, it's just a whole new outlook on life. I found myself going to work, talking to my coworker who is, you know, very willing to listen, and uh, I find them listening to Liquid Church on the internet. And I'm like, I know that voice. Are you listening to Pastor Tim? Yeah. So it's it's really cool. Feels like everything's setting falling into place. Little by little, the blocks are starting to build, and we're starting to really be where we wanted to be, but we never knew how to get there. Right. And it's just coming together so fairly so quickly. Easily. <laughs> Rather quickly. Uh, but welcomed. Very welcomed. Very welcomed. Uh, we just feel at home here, you know. It's uh, it's awesome. That's just awesome. I, every time I, I actually first saw that, um, before I came on staff, actually, I saw it on the website, and I just remember thinking to myself at that moment, gosh, you know, that's just so awesome that they could be honest enough with themselves, with each other, honest enough with God, honest enough to have a community of people, a church where they can be all, all around honest like that. It's just, it's just amazing. Did, did you catch what Steph actually said there towards the end? She said, little by little, the blocks are starting to build. And we're starting to be where we wanted to be, but we never knew how to get there. You see, she was describing the deeper internal work that had to take place before any external blocks got built up. Before anything on the outside got rearranged. You see, both Darren and Steph had to work on some of the inside stuff first. Asking the tough questions, right? They had to face certain challenging consequences. They had to take on this new humility. I mean, think about it. This new dependence upon God. I mean, I mean, what, if you were in their situation, wouldn't you worry about what people thought of you, etc.? Especially going to a church, right? All, they had to consider all these internal workings that had to take place before so that all the outside stuff would last. You know something? Many of you know, right? That, that clip was actually shot two years ago, almost to this day, right? And here's a picture of little Jacob now. Look at that guy. He's just so cute, right? So adorable. And, you know, they were here earlier in the 11 o'clock service, and it was just, it was just awesome to see the progression. What happens when you, when you take seriously that internal work? As a matter of fact, I was talking to Darren just a couple of days ago, earlier this week, and he was sharing with me, yeah, you know, Pastor Tom, some of the, 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 w- without some of those deeper internal works, 
that we had to go through. Admitting certain wrongs. Okay, we get it. We, we messed up. We did things out of order, as she said, right? And without, without facing some of the consequences, without getting counsel, without praying together, without, without even coming to church together and worshiping God together, there's just no way putting on a white wedding dress, throwing on this wedding dress onto their, all their problems and their situation would have solved everything. He acknowledged that. In, in fact, he later told me that if it weren't for all the internal works that go on even to this day, Two years later, if it weren't for all the internal stuff that they still go through together, right? He doesn't even want to think about where they'd be. That's powerful. That internal transformation that we're talking about, that that deep searching of the hearts, that is a non-negotiable no matter how good and great and put together everything is on the outside. Yet you know something? Let's just be real here. Sometimes we actually think that we can get away with it. Right? I, I mean, we think. I mean, we would never say this out loud. Sometimes we do. But we actually think, eh, you know, I just, whatever. All I really need to do is change my circumstances. All I really need is more money. If I just have more money, if I throw money onto my problems, then it'll just always go away. I just need more money. I just need to change my circumstances. Dude, I just need to, I just need to dump my girlfriend and find a better person. That's all I need. I just need a new relationship, right? Or, no, no, I just need to relocate. Everyone here, this whole culture, everything's so, it's just terrible. I just need a different place. I need a change of environment. Folks, a lot of times that's just throwing paint. That's just throwing, you're skipping the crucial step of the internal sanding and priming underneath that has to take place. You know, I get emails like this all the time. And honestly, I, as a pastor, I just sort of, it just, it just, it just breaks my heart, really. Uh, like, I'll never forget, this. It, it's not in this series, so don't worry about it, but I, I remember a while ago, there was this woman who had just gone through, like, her, her second divorce in, like, four or five years. I, I forget the details, but she was, like, on cloud nine. She was, like, uncharacteristically, sort of strangely, like, exuberant. She was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for freeing me. You know, that no good, lousy SOP. He never knew how to treat a woman anyways. I can't believe I wasted two and a half years of my life with that jerk. And she was going on and on. And this is the part that I could not forget. I can't wait for the next chapter of my life because it's just going to be so different. Really? Or, or, or once in a while, once in a while, you'll have someone come to you and say, "Ah, oh, listen, Pastor Tom, can you just can you just pray for my job situation?" Sure, you know what, what's what, what's going on. Anything specific? Oh, yeah, nobody there gets me. You know, it's just like you know, I, I mess up a few times here, and I miss certain deadlines and stuff. But everyone's just so complaining about it. They're just hypercritical. I just don't get it. I feel like no one appreciates me. I put a lot of hours in there. No one gets it. It, it was just like this at my last four jobs. Could you just pray for me that, that God gives me a better job? And, and, and honestly, I, I'm human too. In, in some of those moments, in, in, my, in my better moments, right, I just feel like saying with all the love and like with all the Jesus and with like all the compassion I can possibly muster, I just, I, I just, I, 
I feel like saying to this kind of person, look, wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) Wherever you go, there you are. Uh, We had one person at 11 o'clock say, uh, in the Midwest, we say, you take your flies with you. You take your flies with you. You see, because it's never just about cleaning the slate. It's never just about, okay, turning the page or moving on to a new chapter. Why? Because if there's an interior corruption, that sucker's going to follow you all the way to chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, whatever. That, it's going to follow you to the way bitter end unless you deal with whatever it is, pride, fear of failure, insecurity, unforgiveness, negative attitudes, a short fuse, hypercriticalness, whatever it is for you, I don't know. It's just going to follow you to the bitter end. right? And mind you, I... I do not want to fall into that trap of sitting here and projecting this image as though I've got it all figured out because Lord knows, and my wife will testify, I don't. Okay? True story here. For like the past two months or so, uh, uh, <laughs> Pastor Tim and I, don't, don't tell him this, he's not here, so just keep this between us. Okay? Pastor Tim and I, uh, we've been sort of on this, what I'm calling a random weekly rotating diet. Okay, I know this doesn't make sense, just bear with me here. It's, it's actually pretty sad. What I mean is this. One week, like out of the blue, he'll just, he'll just start eating very healthy, right? I'm just like, dude, what, what's wrong with the salad? Oh, you used to be so fun. We used to hang out and eat junk food together. What's going on, Tim? And I just get all up in his case and start making fun of it. And so, and so the next week, I'll notice that, you know, he, he just, with, actually, without me realizing, he just starts, he stops eating healthy. But, but what I notice about myself is, for some reason, the next week, I'll, like, run an extra day. I'll, like, lift more. I'll stop eating, uh, you know, all this junk food. And, and then he finds out about it. And, of course, then he's like, yo, gangster, what, what are you, what's going on? It was, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. We're like two schoolgirls. Anyways, so I, I remember that the first week that this happened, he, he had just gone the whole week. He was so good. He didn't eat any junk food. He just drank water, no Diet Cokes, just water. He would eat like, you know, cornflakes for dinner. It was pretty disgusting. Anyways, he, he would go, and he had a great week. And long story short, it, this was our one late night of the week. We have one late night, Tim and I, where, where we work on stuff. And we usually don't get home until way after midnight, right? This is our one late night, but somehow we magically got through everything by around 9.30, right? So, so there we are, we, we're like way ahead of schedule, and so he turns to me and he goes, let's go see Batman, right? And so, so, so we go, and remember, remember, he's on this whole diet thing this whole week, right? So, so, so what do I do? Oh, this is kind of bad. I buy like the biggest tub of popcorn a man can possibly buy, right? I sit down right next to him and I deliberately start wafting that double, you know, that, 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 that butter soaked goodness his way. And I'm just like dying, right? And he's like getting so angry. He's like, Chang, how could you? What is going on over there? Uh, you know, he's like, what, what, what? You know, like, he's getting all mad at me, giving me this evil eye and everything. And, and I'm just like popping away. I'm just like loving every moment of it, right? Well, the next week, after he has fallen off the wagon, right? He totally crashed, right? Uh, he comes in, of course, and I've started my new diet at this point, right? Because this is the next week. Uh, he, he comes in with like this double battered, deep fried, oily piece of heaven, 
right? I don't even know what it was. And he just starts licking his chops and just scarfing this thing down in front of me while I'm trying to like hold down this bird food of a salad that my wife had made me because she was so excited about me trying to lose weight, right? Okay, all this to say, I think for me, what I finally realized after all these years, right? I used to actually not... I used to be more healthy. Anyways, but what I finally realized that week was the reason why diets don't work for me personally is because all I'm really ever trying to do is turn the page. I'm just trying to find uh, the restart button, you know, the reset button or, or turn it to a new chapter, whatever you want to call it. Basically, I'm just trying to change my exterior situation, right? South Beach diet. Uh, uh, Atkins, Fatkins, uh, uh, grapefruit diet, whatever it is, right? Uh, I'm just trying to eat less and run more. I'm just doing whatever exterior things are out there. All great things. Nothing's wrong with any of that stuff. But I do that without also dealing with the difficult internal issues as well. Uh, I avoid asking myself some of the tough internal questions. Questions like, okay, Tom, so... Why is it that you feel you need to eat thirds and fourths, right? Is it because you're truly hungry, Tom? Or, or, or do, you, do you lack the nourishment? Or is it because you happen to be stressed out and this is like the only thing in life that you can actually feel like you have some semblance of control? So it's actually a form of self-medication and actually it gives you a momentary pleasure that temporarily relieves some of the pain that you're not dealing with properly, let alone surrendering to God. This is all happening in my mind, right? And while we're at it, Tom, can it also be because gluttony is a more permissible sin in the eyes of most Christians than something like lust. You see, gluttony we can wink at, right? But not lust. So, yeah, Tom, go ahead. Keep eating. Take that second slice of cheesecake. Eat the whole bag of chips because at least you don't look at internet porn and cheat on your taxes. I'm sorry. Did I just say that out loud? Anyways... The point is this, there can be a certain level of false renewal, a certain level of false achievement, a certain level of false relief when you simply try and press or look for the reset button of life to fix everything on the outside. Are you tracking? Have you have you ever felt this way? Are there things in your life where you, where you try to do this, where you're looking for that restart button? In fact, most people go from jobs to jobs, relationships to relationships, cities to cities, thinking if I can just find that perfect external circumstance, if I can just find the right exterior environment, I'll be okay. Ding! Reset. But you know what? The virus inside of you still remains. You see, everyone, let's just be real here for a second. Everyone likes turning the page. Chapter twos are very exciting. A change of scenery is a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's great. But here's the million dollar question. What's the difference between a fresh start and a false start. What's the difference? Answer, 
It has everything to do with whether or not there's an internal work going on as well to complement the external changes going on around you. Because let me tell you something. If not, if you choose to ignore or shut off that part of you, this internal part, and just focus on the outside... You're just dragging your baggage from chapter 1 to chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, whatever, whatever. And suddenly everything around you is going to look oddly familiar in the worst possible way. Some people live their lives like this. You know, it's, it's actually like that definition from AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Insanity is repeating the same action over and over again, hoping to achieve different results. I, I love that definition. And you know, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they lifted it from the last paragraph of our passage today in Haggai. W- w- would, you, would you look at this with me here? Haggai chapter 2, verse 15. It's, it's a little paragraph here from 19, 15 to 19. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on the other in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. Verse 17, I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. See, there's this relationship thing that he's focused on. Verse 18, from this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, remember, this is three months after you were all excited about everything and you turned that page, right? Give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. That's the third time. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruits. That's amazing. Give careful thought to your ways. It's not just about the external activity and all the stuff that you try to change on the outside. And and, and this environment that surrounds you. Right? Give careful thought. Examine what is inside of you. Give careful thought. Ask yourselves the difficult questions that you don't want to ask. Or answer. Give careful thought and don't resist this deep work that God is chiseling away at in your heart. That he's whispering to you. Because check this out. The moment you commit to undergo this external and internal change. Do you know what God promises you? It's right there in that last sentence. Let's read this together. Everyone here, Liquid Melbourne, everyone online, if you're listening, watching online, let's, let's, let's read this last sentence together, okay? From this day, I don't hear you, from this day on, I will bless you. From, thi- from today on, today on, I will bless you. See, God wants to bless you. He is determined. Remember that jealous thing? He is determined to bless you externally and internally if you let him. So if if you find yourself about to turn the page, or or maybe you're in the beginning of a chapter two, and things have already gotten funky, right? The way that they did after three months for these people in Haggai, right? All the hoopla had fizzled out. 
Maybe it's been three days for you. Maybe it's been a week, right? Last week you were all pumped and charged. Yeah, God, you're speaking to me. Okay, this is a new chapter in life. And then all of a sudden, seven days have gone by. and It's all fizzled out, right? Even better. Because maybe, maybe from this day on, God is blessing you by calling your attention to what's on the inside. Maybe that's the blessing for you right now. Maybe, maybe that's how God is blessing you today, by calling your attention. That, that whisper is now starting to be like this audible voice, this, this, this not screaming, but this, this louder voice uh, uh, of what needs to happen, the work that needs to happen on the inside. Maybe that is your blessing tonight. Could that be a possibility? Could God be working on something inside of you right now? I'm going to ask my friends to come on out, the whole band, and, and they're going to lead us in this one last song, uh, you know, Inside Out. Right? And, and as they do, I've got one last question for you. What is it that you need to acknowledge about yourself on the inside before God does a greater work on the outside? Uh, would, would you actually write the answer to that down on this connection card that you, that you found in there, right? Would you write that down as a prayer request? No, no frills, no, no catch, no nothing, but there's, there is something about identifying something, capturing what's being spoken in your heart. There's something about identifying that, capturing that, writing it down, and committing it to prayer, and having others pray for you and with you in this, right? We're, we're going to join you in prayer. What do you, again, the question is, what do you need to acknowledge about yourself on the inside before he does a greater work for you on the outside? You know, for some of you, maybe it's the fact that your job actually doesn't need to change. But maybe your attitude about your job needs to change. And your attitude with those that you work with needs to change. Maybe for some of you, it's about, it's about not necessarily needing more money, but it's about being thankful for what you already have. Maybe it's about finding your satisfaction in things that aren't in catalogs and, and at the Short Hills Mall, right? Maybe, maybe for you, that internal work that you need to work on, this is a popular one. It's coming off of two weddings. We just sang White Wedding. Maybe I'm thinking about this a lot, but I don't know. Maybe for you, maybe for you, it's not so much about finding that right person to marry. Maybe it's actually about you becoming the right person to marry. What is it for you? What do you need to acknowledge about yourself on the inside before he does a greater work on the outside? I, I love this last passage. and We'll close with it again. Now give careful thought to it. From this day on, verse 18, from this day on, give careful thought, give careful thought. He says that three times, give careful thought. Because God's promise is, from this day on, I will bless you. Can you identify that? Won't you mark this moment by writing down what kind of internal work has to take place inside of you today? And we'll seal it with a prayer. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, help us. Help us now to identify what it is inside of us. The internal work that has to happen inside of us for the greater exterior work as well. Lord, for many of us, you know, it's taking that first step. There is no greater internal work than death turning into life. Than the old being gone and the new being come. The, the, the new coming. Lord, there's, there's no greater work than Jesus Christ accepting Jesus Christ into our hearts. For, for some of us, that's the internal work. That's the ultimate internal work. And for those of us that, that are somewhere else in the journey, may, maybe, maybe we've taken that step already and we've been on this journey for a while, but I, I'll just be the first to confess, Lord, a lot of times I get in your way. You're trying to do something on my outside. You're trying to do something in my life and in those around me. But I get in the way because I don't, I don't want to admit my internal junk. I, I don't want to admit, admit the, the pride and the insecurities and the angers and the frustrations inside of me. And I just I want to ignore it. And I just want to keep focusing on the outside and what looks good and what sounds right and what is this and what is that. And God... Still work inside of me. Maybe that's the prayer of someone else in this room. Do a work inside of us. Do a work inside of us and, and continue that work outside of us. And change us. And more than anything, help us to fall more in love with you and more in love with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.